You're listening to the Video Marketing Podcast, helping you go a little more viral every day. Here's your host, Matt Johnston. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for being here. I'm here with Philip Van Dusen, and we're going to talk about leveraging your YouTube audience and turning it into a community of super fans that can follow you around, fall in love with you, um, and pay you money to do things for them to make their lives better, which is why people pay money for things, right? It's all about value. Philip, thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me on the show. So tell me uh, a little bit more about you and, 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 and how you got into the world of YouTube. Sure. Well, I've had quite a, I have a bit of gray hair. I've had a long career on both the agency side and the client side and um, had, you know, was in fashion retail for 20 years and then a number of global um, agencies for another decade. And finished up on the client side at PepsiCo as a VP of design there, and then started my own consultancy. And when I started my own consultancy, I decided that I was going to use content marketing as a way to get clients. And the first thing I did was I started a, a newsletter called the Brand News Newsletter. I put that out that every two weeks for about six months, and then started my YouTube channel. And I basically started to just share everything that I knew and had learned about strategic branding and design and creative professional careers um, to, to help people for free. So how did you start? First of all, let's dig into that one decision about how you decided you were going to use content marketing to get leads, because this is a tough thing for some people to wrap their minds around sometime, <clears throat> because content marketing is not always sort of, you know, create a piece of content, get a bunch of leads tomorrow. I mean, it's kind of a long game. It's a very long game. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I'd had a very long career and had a big network on the agency and client side, but when it came to, I, I had decided when I started my consultancy that I really wanted to work with entrepreneurs, startups, and small to medium-sized businesses, because I'd been working with the Fortune 100 for 20 years, and I'd kind of been there and done that. And so essentially, when I left my last big corporate gig, I uh, left you know, I left my network, essentially. Um, I wasn't sure. going to get new business out of, out of the people that I've been working with my whole career. I had to kind of build an entirely new network. Um, so I knew that I had to build an email list, number one. Um, so I developed a few lead magnets, put them up on my website and slowly started building an email list and um, then started my newsletter, sharing everything that I knew about branding and design and curating content. And, uh, and then after I did that for a while and kind of got that, that process or that, you know, kind of got over the hemp hump of starting, you know, that fear of actually starting and putting yourself out there. Um, I started my YouTube channel and that was to, I, I thought a lot about, uh, content repurposing when I started and I thought, well, I can either start a podcast or I could start a YouTube channel. And I thought graphic design is a very visual medium. And I know that I'm going to be wanting to show stuff. So a podcast is like, you know, it's like dancing about sculpture. It's like, you can't really get it across. Um, so I started the YouTube channel and I knew that I could repurpose that YouTube content, um, the audio across a podcast or the, the visuals across a number of, number of other platforms, the, the copy I could turn into blog posts, et cetera. So I decided to start at the kind of top of the food chain in terms of a medium that you could repurpose. Um, and, and yeah, so the idea was to build uh, visibility 
and um, credibility in what I knew to attract clients. And so now you have 223,000 subscribers. I mean, how did we get there? I mean, how did you do it? Well, the first thing I did was I went on Facebook and I messaged all my friends and family and said, I just started a YouTube channel. Please go subscribe to me. You don't have to watch a single video, but I just don't want to have zero subscribers. And so out of that, I got my first hundred subscribers. So that was great. No one watched a video, but I had a hundred subscribers. Um, and then I, every video I, I did, I would put it in my newsletter. I would post it on LinkedIn. I'd post it on Facebook. And I, you know, organically with sweat equity, putting a video up every Monday for four and a half years, built an audience. And I think I got up to about 80,000 subscribers after about two years. And then I had a very fortuitous thing happen. And that's that um, I do... Every year I do a graphic design trend video and my trend, the trend video I did for, I think it was 2018 got picked up by design taxi, which is a very popular design. Oh website. yeah. I know that. And, mm -hmm. and so design taxi put me on their front page for two days in a row and in their newsletter, their daily newsletter and my YouTube channel just like completely blew up. I grew by about another 80,000 subscribers in about six weeks. So and as soon as you get above 100,000 subscribers, hence the silver play button on the wall, um, YouTube starts to really, really prioritize you in search. So um, by that time, I had about probably 100 videos up. And uh, so YouTube started ser serving me up in search a lot more. So my organic uh, you know, viewership started to increase. And then also, I think that, and we were, you know, we had talked about this before we hit record was that um, the results of my videos were showing up a lot more in Google search as well. So then organic search was really building my, my viewership on YouTube. So what do you think it was about your videos in those early days that made them so valuable to people? Uh, well, I think that I had two audiences and I kind of went out of the gate with two audiences in mind. One was I wanted to teach small and medium sized businesses and entrepreneurs how to use strategic branding and design to build their businesses to be more successful. So I wanted to take the strategic branding methodology that I'd been using with gigantic corporations in global agencies and kind of boil it down to its essence and make it palatable um, to that size of business. And I wanted to just kind of teach everything I knew about brand strategy to that audience and for their benefit, for free and with no hope of return other than maybe they'll you know see it and contact me for some consulting work. And then on the other side of that, I've been um, managing large creative teams for over 20 years, and I've hired a lot, groomed a lot, interviewed thousands of designers in my career, and I knew that I could, I had a lot of information that I could use to help creative professionals advance and grow and get better in their careers. And so I started sharing stuff like that too, like how to ace a design interview, how to put together your portfolio, you know, how to pitch to a client, things like that. And so um, I was, I kind of grew to audiences at the same time. I just decided to share everything that I knew, everything that I thought was of value, and, um, and just put it out into the world. And I'm, I'm a firm believer in 
and good karma that way. Like if you really give value to the world, the, the value will come back at you. And, um, and it has. And it does take that kind of faith to invest in a content marketing strategy because it can take a lot of time and you don't always see the benefits immediately. So sometimes it can take you that. Don't. Yeah, it takes a long time, I got to say. And uh, you, when I started my newsletter, I said to myself, I'm going to publish a newsletter every two weeks for a year and I'm never going to miss a date. And when I started my YouTube channel, I said the same thing. I said, I'm going to publish a video every Monday at 10 o'clock and I'm never going to miss a date. Now, if I do, I lose my job. And for four and a half years, I never missed a Monday. And it really takes, and you know, and sometimes you're up, you know, you're up writing that video script on, you know, a Saturday night on a weekend, and you're going to record it in your office on Sunday and bang out that editing and get it up online for Monday. And uh, it takes a lot of kind of intestinal fortitude to maintain um, the consistency that's necessary in order to get traction in content marketing. Because content marketing is all about consistency. I love that. I think that's going to be really inspirational to people that hear. I mean, I know it is for me. I mean, <laughs> sometimes I need to hear that, you know, um, just that make deadlines and goals for yourselves and treat them like they're your job. Yeah. And this is hard for us as entrepreneurs. I mean, when you're your own boss and it almost feels like it shouldn't be that way because it's your own butt on the line and you're responsible for it. But for some reason, it just seems easier to not necessarily get lazy, but not have that focus. And uh, I think I think that's a great idea. Making deadlines for yourself and just saying, I'm, you know, internally, I'm going to lose my job if yeah. I don't actually hit this. It's 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 a fantastic approach to it. You have and to I, like believe in that mission. Yeah, and I just I I. I'm an introvert very much so, which doesn't really come across when uh, with all the content that I do or lives that I do, but I am. And I don't really like doing any kind of cold outreach or business development. And so I looked at it as like, okay, I got to put my sure. back into like doing some business development for this week. And mm. my business development was putting out my content. And that was in lieu of making a cold call or sending out a cold email to somebody on LinkedIn. I just hated doing stuff like that. So um, I, I went full hog into content to keep myself from having to face business development in the normal way. I love that. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. I'm, I'm, I don't know that I'm in super introverted. I'm kind of like all over the place. I can be introverted, <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm the same way. I mean, when it, when it comes to sales calls, I know that I'm good at them, but they absolutely sap my energy. Right. Yes. And so yes. like when <laughs> I go to a conference, so, if yeah. I have to like socialize with people at a conference for eight hours, oh my God, I like go back to my hotel room and I absolutely collapse because it just takes every bit of adrenaline out of my body. It can be it can be exhausting. I love this. And this is something that I talk a lot about um, in my programs and stuff, too, is that like if you can find a way to be a magnet, that's the secret. Right. Instead of pushing for the things you want, how can you pull them in? And I think I think that's going to resonate with a lot of people because sales is a major barrier for a lot of entrepreneurs, especially trying to make it happen. Yep. Absolutely. I want to start my own thing. I want to be my own boss. But the business development side it's just this whole other layer. And you know that if you don't get the business development right, none of it can happen anyway. You can be the best you know? designer in the world, but unless there's a stream of clients coming your way, you're right. sunk. But I think what you're saying, Philip, is that you can create it for yourself. You can, you can create, you can create that magnetism. So that's, that's, that's really fascinating. Okay. So um, I, I think that maybe some other time we'll talk about branding and brand strategy because that yeah, no, is something that I feel that right is 
not right now, but I think it's, it's a video extremely, show. I'm telling you people, uh, people do not even talk about brand strategy a lot uh, I do, because a lot <laughs> you do. Yeah. But small companies, it seems no, like it's last true. on their, but it's last on their list, you know, very, very often. Uh, but, uh, as far as monetizing this channel, building a list, et cetera, I think the major thing that people run into is one, what's the purpose and what's the goal and how do I make it feel authentic when I'm trying to get people into my community? How did you tackle those questions? Well, and in terms of being authentic to get them into a community, well, there's two pieces to that. One is just being authentic. And the other is then how do you build a community after, out of real estate that you don't own, right? So how you be authentic is just be yourself. I mean, that's, I, I've been a creative leader my whole career. And so, you know, mentoring people and teaching people and, um, you know, presenting ideas to clients has been something I've been doing my whole career. So I just knew that I wanted to, and I'm a teacher at heart. I started off my career actually as a teacher. I have my, I have my master's in painting of all things. I never studied design, never went to school for design and came into the business world as a, as a t-shirt designer. And um, so I have teaching in my DNA and I've always loved it. And I've always found that being a creative leader of other creatives is just like teaching. And um, so when I, when I decided to put what I knew out there, I just took that kind of perspective, that kind of stance on it. I'm just going to share everything I know and hopefully it will benefit the audience. And I shared the things that were important to me, you know, the things I knew should be important to them in terms of what they need to know about building a business and also what they need to know and face when they are a creative professional in today's world, trying to make it. Um, I tackled, you know, difficult questions for people like what it's like to be a multi-creative when you have too many creative outlets and you can't decide or focus on one or, you know, what to do when you screw up. That's actually turned out to be a very popular video where, you know, you, you screw up at work, you say something bad, you get in someone's bad graces. I did a lot of videos about things that um, are some of the, the hurdles that people face, you know, how to get promoted what actually does a creative director do? Like, do you really want to be a creative director? Let me tell you what they actually do day to day. Um, stuff like that. So I think that, you know, listening to my gut in terms of what I've known to be important to people and to businesses is what, uh, what I put out there on, on, my, uh, on my channels. So when did you start trying to get these people from YouTube onto your email list? I assume that was the first way that you started moving them over. And how did you do it? Yeah. In terms of the email list, I mean, the funny thing was, is I, you know, I produced my first 20, 25 videos and then someone said, you know, you should really have a call to action on your videos, Phil. And I was like, duh. It was like, I'm a branding guy and I of course hadn't done it. Right. So I decided I created a trailer at the end of my videos that said, you know, if you are, if you're interested in building your personal brand or your business, reach out to me, philipvandusen.com and let's see what we can do to take you to the next level. And that's what I said, or, and I would usually tack on, you know, go to this URL and, and subscribe to my newsletter it comes out every two weeks. And um, you may really enjoy what I, what I put out there. And by putting that in my videos at, on the trailer, and then also mentioning it throughout the video periodically and having, you know, cards or annotations that pop up on the screen as the video is playing, um, giving away lead magnets, 
I've been able to build my, my email list. So that's how I started. I started building my email list. Um, but in terms of monetizing it, I really didn't, I was building my agency first. I wanted to build a client base, uh, dedicated word of mouth group of clients. And as soon as I did that, that's when I started to pivot to wanting to build and monetize my community. So after I had built a community of probably, I don't know, 180,000 or something on YouTube, I started really thinking about like, how am I going to engage with these people? Number one, I want to develop courses. So I'm going to want to sell courses to these folks. Number two, I'm going to start doing paid mastermind groups. So I'm going to want to pay, you know, sell paid mastermind groups to these folks too, but I don't have their email addresses. I've built my brand on YouTube, which is borrowed land, as they say. And I had no way to, to connect with these folks. So I started plugging um, pitches and, and directions to people into my videos to go over and join a private Facebook group that I have called the uh, Brand Design Masters Facebook group. And so when people join that, they have to answer a questionnaire. They have to give me their email address to get in. Um, it's a great group, so it's worth it. And then I, then they, they got on my email list that way. And then I have them, then I can communicate with them directly because it really comes down to being able to, you know, get the permission and the blessing of people to communicate with, and build enough trust really, Matt, to be able to uh, communicate with people directly. Interesting. Okay. So let's go back first. Logistical question here. Yeah. And, 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 and did you keep doing it forever? So, so you decided to, create like a pre-recorded trailer that would go at the end and it would be the same every video, right? You would just put it at the end of the timeline in the edit. No, no, no. When I, well, I had two. One was that I, it was a live voiceover at the end. I always did the same ending where I sent people to my website, asked them to join my newsletter, asked them to hit subscribe. Um, and then there was a, a, you know, a trailer uh, bumper that was, you know, a little video animation that had my website. So um, it was a, you know, it was a live. Okay. Verbal, so it was extremely short. Ask. It wasn't it like was, a big. No, no, no. It was like a verbal ask at the end of every video. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's interesting because I, I see, I see some folks that have courses and other bigger programs and I've actually seen this happen. There's one in, there's one that I, uh, that I like, I follow these guys, a uh, full-time filmmaker and uh, they very often have two minute trailer for their program at the end of their video. And I'm just always thinking to myself, Hmm, so interesting because like, there's one way that you're trying to get people off, but what do we know about YouTube? YouTube wants you to keep people on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so ideally they would, if YouTube had their way and the more YouTube has their way, the more they'll feed your video out. I mean, you, they would just binge watch your videos when you were there. Right. And just, and maybe watch other and maybe binge watch other people's videos. Right. So I feel like that balance from a logistical point of view is something that I know that I've thought a lot about. Yeah. One of the things I did to get people to binge watch my videos was I kept them really short. Like I, I pride mm. myself on getting in, giving value and getting out. Like there was like nothing how short do you think? My longest videos are like, well, I take it back. I have some where I do like a little fireside chat. I sit in a chair and I just blab and and um, and talk. I don't edit those. And then others, most of my videos are anywhere from six to 10 minutes long. Like mm -hmm. they're short. And, um, and I get into the content right away. And so 
that was one of the things that when I was looking at my competition, when I was first starting off that I hated, like these people would say, okay, we're going to do a video on brand strategy. And then they, the video would start and they'd start blabbing around about stuff. And it would be five, eight minutes before they even got to the meat of the content. I hated that. I mean, and I just thought these people don't value my time. And I thought when I do my channel, I'm going to value people's time. I'm going to get in, I'm going to give them serious content fast, and then I'm going to get out. And they're going to value me for that. And they do. And they comment about that all the time. I had, I've had comments where people say, mm. I got more value out of the last eight minutes than I did in four years in design school. And that means the world to me. You know, if I can give people like a ton of value in a short period of time, I know that they're going to, um, they're going to value me for that. And then they'll go on to watch a second video because it's like they were going to invest 15 minutes on YouTube and they got a ton of value in six minutes from me. So they'll like hit next, you know, and they'll go to my next six minute video and they'll be going, wow. You know, I get comments from people all the time. They're like, I've been binge watching you for like, you know, an hour and I've watched 20 of your videos. So um, I love that. Yeah. So um, these lead magnets, these are yeah. just, I mean, what was your main, um, obviously once you get, uh, to a certain threshold of subscribers, you can start put, is it a thousand where you can start putting it, uh, in your cards and everything external URLs? Yeah, um, I guess I can't, I don't know what those, they change those numbers all the time. So I don't know. What sure. Is, sure. But you would mostly yeah. have it in the description and that, and that was your main call to action to get people to sign up. It was okay. Well in the description, if you want to grab my X, Y, Z, guide to xyz it's in the description click it no i would put it in cards i would put it in the cards you could click it um you know you would click through it would say you know join the brand news newsletter and it'd have a card and you'd click it and it would take you off site to the newsletter sign up page or it would say um you know one of my lead magnets i've been using for years was uh nine design elements your brand absolutely positively needs it's like a three-page pdf but it lists nine design ecosystem elements that a lot of people don't consider and um and it's a you know it's a great it's a great little handout you go to my website it's on the pop-up you sign up get the download easy peasy but then at a certain point you decided that you wanted to go a step further right and you sort of made the decision i don't want to just get them on my email list I'm going to bring them to a Facebook group and that's yeah. how I'm going to get their email. So you were basically using the Facebook group as the lead magnet. No, well, I wanted to big, I wanted to build a really a more, a, a community where I could interact and converse with people and, you know, bring up topics and have real conversations across a group of folks. I also wanted a place that was a closed door private group where I could go live and give a, a higher level of engagement and value to people, take questions, um, really, really engage with them in a much deeper way than this kind of one-way traffic that YouTube mm -hmm. is. I mean, you can go live on YouTube and you can do AMAs and take questions and engage with your community there. And I did that for a period of time before I started driving people to uh, the Facebook group. Um, but then once I had the Facebook group and it started to get populated there, I went live more often in the Facebook group than I did on YouTube because I wanted people to understand that if they wanted more Philip and really wanted to get to know me and become a part of my community, they had to come over to Facebook to do that. Um, and that's what built that group. And also, um, then they can in, they can interact and network with each other. That's the other thing about YouTube, which is a pain. Unless you're commenting on some other commenter's comment, 
you can't really have a conversation with the group of people who follow my content or, or subscribe to my channel. If you want to do that in my Facebook group, you can network with a whole ton of other designers and copywriters and photographers and developers and um, 3D artists over in Facebook. You can make a post, you can ask a question, you can meet a bunch of people. I mean, it's a much more vibrant back and forth kind of environment um, to have a community. And, and the next step is I'm actually going to move people off Facebook into a, into a private uh, group either like tribe or, or circle or something like that and have a community that I can really own. Mm, interesting. Now, when you were taking email addresses on the group, is it, was it, was it in, for a lead magnet or was it just sort of one of the questions like, Oh, no, it's hey, just to got- get into the group. Like you want to get in the group, you got me, give me your email address. It's cost mm-hmm. of entry. Right. Right, right, right. Okay, good. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people tactically are wondering this like little- And they may not. And if things. they don't want to, they don't want to give me their email address, then you don't have to be part of the group. I think that when people come over there and they know that they're going to get a higher level of value and connection with me, it's not that much to- If you trust me enough to join my group and want to be part of my, my community as much as that, then you have to enable me to be able to message you directly. You know, it's just like, that's how it works. And right. if you don't, that's fine. Right. And so how's it gone? So we've it's got 223,000 subscribers. Yeah. And how is that? And how many group members do we have? Uh, it's small. I mean, it's like, I think 2,500, maybe 3,000 now. I mean, it's much, much okay. smaller. But these are people and it's only- But they're been, super dedicated, right? I they're, mean, they're super dedicated. And the group's only been open for four months. So, mm-hmm. you know, just like any kind of content or community, you have to, it, it builds- over time. And I understand that, that, you know, that long game aspect of it. And I'm in it for the long game. And the people who are there are really, it's a very vibrant community. So, I mean, I'm a firm believer in that it's not numbers. It's, it's the quality of engagement. I mean, Gary V in a famous quote said something like, I'd rather have 10 diehard followers than, than 2000 subscribers who never interact with me. It's not really about numbers. It's about the quality. And that's one of the things I found out about YouTube. I mean, yeah, you can have, you can have a vanity metric of 220,000 subscribers, but you know, if you can't really have a conversation with them or they can't converse with each other, what's the purpose, you know, apart from, you know, elevating you, having an audience to be able to get your message out or to elevate you in Google search. Um, it's it, you know, after a while, it just becomes kind of a, a vanity metric. Is there anything specifically that you've done in the group to make it such a vibrant community? Because I know that sometimes something that people struggle with in Facebook groups is, is, you know, keeping it, keeping it alive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I go, I got, I go live in there regularly. One of the things I've actually started to do is have like, um, it's kind of like coffee talk. I, it's called the master's lounge and I use Ecamm live in order to kind of bring people on from the community. It's kind of like, Oh, cool. It's kind of like a zoom that you can bring people in and drop them off. So you can have four people on at a time. And so I can basically bring people on live to ask a question or just chat about what they do. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like a little coffee talk lounge. Um, I'll also go live there and, you know, present content or 
or, or decks or information or do AMAs and, and help people out with their problems. Or I'll ask questions or share topical information or curated content that generates conversation. And then the group there themselves, they're also posting stuff about, you know, brand design or strategy or questions they have um, that are provocative or, or interesting enough that it starts generating conversation. Um, and, uh, and it's self-perpetuating, you know, you just have to kind of add a little accelerant now and again, and then the thing just keeps rolling. You just can't ignore it. Now I'm curious, since you haven't really sold anything to them until now you're gearing up into it more, were yeah. you doing like, what were you doing with the emails? Was it mostly newsletters? Did you have any sequences that you were putting people into nope. once they subscribed? No, I was, I was really, really, um, and I still don't. I mean, when people subscribe, they get a, um, they get a welcome email um, with a downloadable lead magnet in the welcome email. And then they'd start getting the newsletter. Like I didn't, I never put people on. Which sequences. is weekly? I didn't. Or bi-weekly? Bi bi-weekly. Mm -hmm. And bi you still do that? Yeah. And um, I'm building out like a, instead of just having a single welcome email, I'm going to have a series of four or five that go out that kind of just explain other aspects of what I have to offer from my podcast to the Facebook group to um, my master, my paid mastermind groups to my, um, my strategy course. So now my, my, I guess my ecosystem, my reach and my products are getting broader. And so I'm, I just want to make people aware of those things. Um, and, but I never did. And, and I never had like long sequences or funnels or any of that set up. Like when people signed up for my newsletter, they got my newsletter every two weeks. That's all they got. And only in the last six months or so as well, nine months since I've been um, doing uh, running mastermind groups and also selling a course, have I actually started to do, you know, more concerted email marketing. And are, are you selling it now? Are you selling these things now? Yeah, I've, uh, I'm in my, I have a, a mastermind group that's only 10 people. It's very intimate and it runs 12 weeks. It's called the Brand Design Masters Guild. And I'm on my third guild right now. I'm filling up guild number four. So um, that was my first, uh, you know, paid uh, product, so to speak, that I, that I launched. And then um, I actually had to kind of put YouTube on hold for a period of time as I developed my first course. So I developed a course called Brand Strategy 101, which is an intro level brand strategy course. Uh, which uh, is running right now. It's an eight-week course, and we're in. Um, we're going to be going into meeting number six, lesson six. So, um, and I sold that. The first launch of that of my first course was great, and I'll be launching that a couple more times this year. So that's how it's that's how it's been building. And as I said, the next step is to do the lower cost, lower price point membership community. That's kind of kind of like Facebook, but not on Facebook because I I hate Facebook. I can't stand right. Facebook. Well, it's just it's just more borrowed land, right? Yeah. Of yeah, course. it is exactly. And there's no people at Facebook. If you have a problem with Facebook, there's no one to talk to. I I'm I'm gonna bitch about Facebook for a second if you'll let me, Matt. I when <laughs> when Facebook changed to its new interface, right? They changed their 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 interface over, right? Suddenly, I was not able to access my Facebook group. I couldn't get in to the new Facebook group as the owner of the Facebook group. I couldn't get in. I had a couple That's other, odd. I could only find there was like some sort of glitch in the matrix. Right. And I put in over 35 tech requests to Facebook to fix this problem. I was having to log in as an administrator 
in my dog's Facebook account in order to administer my Facebook <laughs> for over two months. And then eventually I woke up one day and I thought, oh, I'll try it one more time. And it worked. But it was like, there was no one I could talk to. It was a massive tech problem that was hampering my business significantly. And I was showing up in my Facebook group as my dog for a period of time. And I have a problem with that when a business has gotten that big and that powerful that they could care less about the people who use their platform. Um, and so that's why I'm moving off of it as soon as I can. It's difficult. It's yeah. I mean, I've, I've always wanted to, it's just one of these things where they kind of have a monopoly on groups, but they don't they have do. to. Uh, so, so, so the last question, because I want to make sure that I go back to this because I, I don't want to skip this step because a lot of people have a hard time here. You build this valuable community. You got them from YouTube. You move them to a Facebook group or your email list. And I'm sure mm -hmm. they interchanged. Yeah. How did you sell? I mean, how did you sell your courses? How did you sell your first 30 spots of the mastermind? How did you do it? Webinars. Webinars. Yes. So okay. I did live. I, I developed a slide presentation that was a, I, which was a very, you know, kind of a sneak peek into some lesson module of either the course or in an, a discussion of the power of mastermind groups. Um, or the power of networking, which is one of the major, you know, kind of takeaways from mastermind groups. I would, I would put together a valuable, you know, content filled presentation on that topic. And I would, on the tail end of that, I would. On like brand design or like about actual. No, like I did, groups. I, the, the webinar I did for the mastermind group was I did, um, it was like a, you know, five most powerful ways to network type of uh, content presentation. And then on the tail end of that, because networking inner, inner, you know, kind of interweaves with the benefits of a mastermind group, it fed into the discussion of my mastermind group and launching and pitching, um, my mastermind group. And so I would do it through live, uh, webinar presentations in my Facebook group. I did it as live webinar presentations on YouTube. And, um, I also did it live on, um, on zoom. So I gave people a number of different platforms. So if they, they could at the you know, same time, it. or you did multiple webinars. No, I did multiple webinars over multiple days for, for these different. So you went, you actually did a Facebook live. Yeah. So I put out an email to my list. I said, I'm going live on, I, I put an email onto my list and I'd say, I'm going live in the Facebook group. I would do that first because I prioritize doing anything for my Facebook mm. group. So you didn't make people register. It just happened. You just went, no, no, no. Went, I just gave them a date and a time. And mm. then, um, and I told everyone in the Facebook group that I was going to do it there. And then I would do a repeat, a, you know, a redux of it in a couple of days later on YouTube. And I would tell everyone on my email list that I was doing it on YouTube. And, um, and then I would put an email out to my list one more time and say, Hey, if you just happen to miss it in the Facebook group and you happen to miss it on YouTube, I'm going to do it live on zoom. So if you want to like hop on a zoom with me and people love hopping on zooms, you know, um, then I'll, I'll show it to you there. So that's what I did. I, I put it on a number of different video platforms and presented that webinar, I think maybe six or eight times over a two week period to, to Do you know which the, one was the most successful for sales? Oh, the Facebook. I'm group, just curious. By far. The Facebook, the, the, the Facebook live in the Facebook. Yes. Group. And the reason why Matt is because those people are, are much more highly engaged. They care they are part of a, you know, a vibrant communicating community 
that's dedicated to really moving their business forward in a concerted way and networking. And they made that extra step to get into my inner circle through that private Facebook group. So when I marketed to that group, it's a much, much more engaged group and they're, and they're dedicated to, um, to the value of the content that I bring to the table. No, it's great. Thank you so much, Phil. This has been a wonderful, um, a wonderful uh, look at how you don't have to use all of these marketing hacks. If you're just going out there and creating value for people, they will come to you and say, hey, I like this value. It's just, just like any relationship, really. Yeah. You just treat it like any relationship. You give to them, they give to you. It doesn't have to be so complicated at the end of the day, right? And I think, Matt, the most important thing to remember when you're doing content, like a lot of people said to me at the beginning, Matt, they said, why are you giving all this stuff away for free? Like you should be charging for this. Like you're telling all the secrets. And I said, yeah, I am. I'm telling all the secrets and I'm giving it all away for free. And they said, well, aren't you worried that they're not going to come to you to, to do this work for them? And the thing is, is when you put that content out there for free and you show them that you know what you're talking about and that you really understand how to move their business forward, they don't want to learn it and do it all themselves. They end up wanting to hire you to do it because they, they go, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. I really like him. Like I like how he delivers information. I feel like I know him already. I'm just going to call him. So, I mean, I can, they can watch five videos on how to do brand strategy and really understand. Here's the other thing. And they then really understand the value of doing that kind of work for their business. So not only do they now value what I'm going to be bringing to the table, but they want me to be the one to do it for them. And so if you give it, if you give away what you know for free with no expectation of the of return, it's the absolute best business development tool that you can use. Where can we find out more about you? Well, all of my brand ecosystem comes together on my website at philipvandusen.com. But uh, you can also go to my podcast, which is Brand Design Masters podcast on iTunes and Spotify and everywhere else. And if you want to hear more of Matt, Matt's going to be on my show soon. So come on over to Brand Design Masters podcast and watch for Matt. I can't wait to be a part of it. Thanks again so much. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for having me on. And thank you all for being here. We'll see you next time.